Hello, and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. This is episode number 27, and I am your host, Brooke McCallery, and I am sitting next to my marriage host, Ben McCallery. <laughs> you are. Thank you. Episode 27. Yes. Who have you got uh, joining you for episode 27? I have um, Jules Clancy, actually. She writes a blog uh, called The Stone Soup, and... I've kind of, I've kind of skirted around Jules with people that I know for ages. I heard about her first uh, on Zen Habits, I think, but she basically you were avoiding her. <laughs> yes, I was. Um, no, she 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 kind of she's a, a culinary minimalist, I guess. She writes a blog where uh, a food blog where almost all of her recipes are five ingredients or less. And I first heard about her, yeah, via Leo Babauta, like way back when I first started digging into minimalism. So, and and then we present a course uh, together, but I, I'd never spoken to her, never met her. So. Culinary minimalism. It's. It, I don't know if it's a thing or not, but I just made it a thing. If I was on a diet, that's something that I definitely want to be involved in. <laughs> I need to practice wine minimalism. Uh, in all seriousness, it is a great episode. Um, one suggestion though is um, if you haven't eaten or if you're coming up to a meal whether it's breakfast lunch or dinner I would stop the podcast now (laughs) go and have your meal and come back because I made the mistake of editing this while I was very very hungry and peanut butter chicken never sounded so good (laughs) she's got some cracking recipes actually uh, even just in our conversation but I will say to you right now, you should absolutely go and check out her blog because she's got some fantastic uh, five ingredients or less recipes. She also, I mean, look, she does also dig into slightly more complex complex um, recipes, but uh, they're all really simple. They're all geared to people who don't have a lot of time, don't have maybe the energy at the end of the day to, to make complicated kind of meals. And I have spent a bit of time on her blog the last few weeks and always come away with a new idea or a new recipe or new something to try. And, uh, yeah, this, this lady knows her food and she just – it makes me hungry just looking at her, her website. So uh, definitely check out thestonesoup.com. She's got some really good uh, free cookbooks as well that you can download and she also – we talk about it a little bit in the show, but she she does sell a couple of products um, that, uh, that help with meal planning. Uh, she talks about it a bit more, you know, you'll hear in our conversation, but she definitely does have those things on offer as well. One other thing to note just before we get in uh, from a, a word from our sponsors, the, the quality of this, technical quality of this audio podcast is not that great due to just the host connection uh, on our um, our wonderful fast internet here in Australia. So apologies for the slight distortion in some areas we did try um, to rectify it, but bear with us. I think the mo- most of the interview um, quality should be at least listenable. Yeah, it was one of those things. I mean, we've been madly scrambling to kind of get interviews and stuff done, and it's been uh, kind of a bit frustrating that our internet connection is somewhere between dial-up and 2001. That's pretty much where we're operating at the moment. But uh, Jules soldiered on with a cracking delay between the two of us and Ben did an amazing job editing it. So anyway, just forgive us for the slightly less than audio quality and uh, know that we're working on fixing it. 
Today's episode is sponsored by Audible.com, where you can uh, listen to over 180,000 Audible titles. And this week we're recommending... A whole heap of books, actually. (laughs) First book is What to Do When Your Kids Walk In When You're Podcasting, uh, narrated by me. No, um, actually, I mean, look, I I listen to quite a lot of audiobooks. I don't like recommending ones that I haven't listened to. So, I mean, you can go and get yourself a free trial, a free audiobook, a 30-day trial, uh, if you head to audibletrial.com slash slow. And, I mean, some of my favourites, Tina Fey's Bossy Pants, Amy Poehler's Yes Please, uh, Stephen King on writing. Ben? Correct. All of the above. Yep. Star Wars Aftermath, Hank Haney's The Big Miss, heap of stuff. There's a heap of stuff on there. Um, Would really recommend uh, having a look and using that offer code to get your discount. So, audibletrial.com slash slow. So, one other thing before we get on to the show. We've heard from a lot of people who are really interested in supporting uh, the podcast further, and we thank you for that. So, we've set up a a Patreon link that people can go to, donate a small amount of money, which will support the show. And, you know, one even $1 makes a, will make a huge difference. You know, we've got some goals. We'd love to do this more often and, and sort of get the podcast out, or t- two podcasts out per week. And that's what we're going for. Um, so, you know, if you'd like to support the podcast further and to help us recoup costs, I uh, really encourage you to visit uh, patreon.com forward slash slow. That's it other than show notes to this podcast. As always, you can head to slowyourhome.com slash 27 for today's episode. And we've got a whole heap of links and resources and, and show notes for today's show. We also have direct links to Jules's, um, her website, her blog, her Twitter and uh, Facebook, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. But pretty much everywhere you can find her at The Stone Soup on Facebook, Insta, Twitter, uh, etc. Enjoy the podcast. Enjoy the podcast, my friends. Hey, Jules. Thanks for joining me. Pleasure, Brooke. Happy to be here. That's really, it's really actually awesome to talk to you. Um, I've been reading your blog on and off for years. Uh, I think I might have actually seen you first mentioned by Leo Babauta on um, Zen Habits years ago when I first started exploring like minimalism and stuff. And yeah, I think um, the name and the premise of your blog stuck really fast in my head because I love the name The Stone Soup and I love the story, but also... I feel like you um, <laughs> you practice like a culinary minimalism, so it's really cool to talk to you. Oh, thanks, bro. So, have you um, have you always been interested in food? Um, you know, growing up, was it something that you were interested in, or is it something you've come to later in life? Or, oh, absolutely! I grew up loving food, so I went to boarding school when I was eleven, and like, I, my mom was like, you know, a great cook. And it wasn't until I got to boarding school and I had to eat boarding school food that I went, oh, my God, you know, what is this stuff? And it just made me realise, like, 
how much I loved food and how, how important good food was to me. And pretty much since then, you know, all my major life decisions have been, had usually had something to do with food. So, um, you know, when I was finishing school and thinking about, you know, career moves, I was actually seriously, you know, was looking at um, becoming a chef and I was, you know, because I was like, you know, I'd really love to get into that whole world of cooking. But then I thought about, you know, the whole hours and just it's quite antisocial and I couldn't see it. I guess like back then showing my age, like the whole celebrity chef wasn't so, that that didn't really exist so much, you know, 20 years ago. So um, I was kind of like I couldn't see that as a career path. And I also wanted to go to university because I think I could see that that would be really good fun. Um, so I ended up discovering this, um, this, that you could do a course in food science specifically. And science, you know, my, the science subjects at school were my favourite. So I was like, perfect, you know, I'll do that instead of, instead of becoming a chef. And, and it kind of, you know, all panned out from there. Yeah, okay. Um, and one of the biggest premises, I guess, of your um, blog is that you mostly produce recipes for um, meals with under five ingredients or less. So when did you start thinking about it in terms of you know, keeping it really minimal and simple um, as opposed to, you know, um, like complicated kind of very fancy meals? Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned um, Leo like in a little bit before. So kind of about I've been probably been blogging for like about four years, and I just you know my cooking was you know just standard stuff in magazines and cookbooks, so pretty complicated. Um, and then I came across um, Leo and his fabulous blogs and habits, and I really encourage anyone listening to check it out if you haven't already. Um, and I just like this whole concept of minimalism. Oh, of course, your readers will already be all over Leo, but I was just just started applying those principles in my life. Um, you know, just to my money and to you know all aspects of my life. So of course, it spilled over into the kitchen as well. Um, but the thing that really surprised me was like I would kind of would go, ah, uh, you know, I'm going to just keep this as simple as possible. I'm going to challenge myself to use five ingredients and I kept thinking you know this isn't going to taste that great you know I'm going to need to add stuff but I just kept at it and time after time you know I'd sit down to to dinner with my um the the time my boyfriend and we we'd just be like blown away like we're both big food lovers and we'd be blown away by how good this like these really simple meals tasted you know um and that just gave me encouragement to kind of continue on and I could really see that you know there's so much of um, the recipes and, and cooking advice that's out there, it comes from chefs and, you know, they're people that it's for them it's all about, about flavour but they have, like, you know, huge support stuff. They've got someone to do all the chopping and it doesn't matter if they're using 20 ingredients and taking hours to prep a meal. For them, as long as it's, it tastes great, you know, that's, that's their kind of driver because that's the, how they get people coming back to their restaurants. Whereas us home cooks, like, we don't have that, that support stuff and so... I just, yeah, like I guess I was really encouraged by that and I just, um, you know, over time just kind of it stuck with me and I've um, continued to, to really be focused on just having that, having those simple recipes and giving people an option that is easy and fast and still tastes yeah, great. I think that's the key. You know, um, we, we think that for things to be really flavorful, we need to just keep adding and adding. Like, you know, you think of a simple meal and you kind of oftentimes you think, 
bland or you think, you know, it's, it's lacking punch or something like that. But then when you think about some of the things that are the most delicious things in the world, they might just be like as simple as a tomato and some avocado or, you know, like some olive oil and some lemon juice. You, those things are incredible and they're so simple. But I think we've fallen into this trap of like more is better, which is probably driven by, like you say, celebrity chefs and cooking shows and magazines where you need this huge page long list of ingredients in order to, to make something special. And I just love that you're giving people the option that that's, that's just not necessary at all. Yeah. Well, it just comes down to um, like when you're using, when, like one of the things I really find is when you use less ingredients, like each ingredient that you're using, it has to kind of speak for itself, but it gives it like, you kind of get cleaner flavors and you get to really like you're in your tomato example, you get to really appreciate how good the tomato is and how creamy the avocado is and how well they work together. Whereas if you've got, you know, um, if you're adding, you know, some, some, a heap of other things in there, so you've put in some, some herbs and you've got some, you know, capers and stuff like you start to, that can taste lovely as well, but it gets, you know, it's just not as clear and, and, and clean. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just, it's just, it's, you know, it's one style of cooking that I've chosen to, to focus on. And I, I think, yeah, like the, the challenge for me is a lot of people like come across my blog and they go, oh, five ingredients, that's not going to taste any good, like move on. But when people actually, um, yeah, take the time and actually try some of my recipes, I got so many people going, oh my God, I didn't think this would t- taste any good. And I was just blown away by how, how amazing it tastes. And, um, yeah, so it's like, that's my challenge is to kind of convince people to try it. <laughs> Once they try it, they tend to, they tend to be converts. <laughs> I think that's kind of the challenge with with a lot of, you know, aspects of simple living and minimalism. Like it just doesn't sound because it's so it's kind of countercultural, you know, to live with less stuff or, um, you know, to choose a job that pays less or to to, you know, to cook with with uh, as few ingredients as possible. Like it doesn't fit in with, you know, the culture of more is better. So it's just convincing people like, no, it really is. Honestly, it really tastes better. It really feels better. Like it's, it's, that is the challenge I think. Cause once people get there, they're like, oh no, you're right. It, it is better. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. True in all parts of life. I agree. Um, so what, 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 what about five was it? Like what, what makes five the magic number of um, ingredients for you? Is that something that you arrived at like just out of trial and error or it's just something that is a personal preference? Uh, it was actually, um, there's like an Italian proverb um, and I I'm, love, love Italian food and there's like, I don't know, I came across it in a, um, might have been like an Elizabeth David book or something like years ago and they, there was like an Italian proverb about never more than five, like they kind of, um, and that just kind of and just got me thinking, you know, one hand, five, and it just seemed like a, a manageable amount Um and, you know, when I was counting, it was easy for me to count five. Um, so, yeah, and, yeah so I just kind of started from, from there. And I guess the other thing that inspired me to go with five was um, at the time there was, I don't you, you remember, there was a cookbook out called Four Ingredients yes. um, written by a couple of ladies from um, the Gold Coast, I think, which was hugely successful. It sold millions and millions of copies. But when you looked to picked up their book, um, you know, the ingredients that they were using was one ingredient might be like, you know, a packet of frozen chicken nuggets kind of thing. <laughs> um, but so I was like thinking, oh, I don't want to go down that path. Like, and I, but, I, but I was thinking, you know, what if I added, added one extra ingredient and it kind of, yeah, those two kind of influences 
got me started thinking with five and that that, that worked. So I just, just stuck with that. Yeah, I love five. So reading your website, I, I see that you used to be like a, a chocolate biscuit designer, which sounds like a made up job. <laughs> um, did you, when you were, were designing biscuits or, you know, creating biscuit recipes, things like that, um, did you see things and learn things about how modern food, particularly like sweet treats and stuff, are created that made you more inclined to go down this path of, of whole simple foods? Um, yeah, it did actually work. So, um, so the last job I had in the corporate world was with Arna. So I was working um, in the Chim Tam team, so developing new Chim Tams. And it was it was an awesome job and it was really good fun. And um, I did, I learned heaps about chocolate, like Arnott's make their own chocolate. And so it was really, it was a great job on many levels. But um, so this kind of all happened at the same time as I was getting into my minimalism stuff. And I just found that often I'd be, you know, out to dinner, out a party and, you know, with talking to strange people, strangers and, you know, the you know, what, what do you do question would come up and I'd end up like talking to like invariably like the least healthy looking person in the room and they would be super excited about Tim Tams and they would know all about these, these would be their favourite and they'd oh, I've tried these new ones and and I was just like something is not good here. <laughs> and also I found, um, you know, the way I was feeling myself um, like working in that job because part of the job was to taste a lot and, you know, we'd have um, breakfast meetings with the marketing team where we'd be showing them, you know, 10 different options for new, new Tim Tams and, you know, you'd sit down, you, you'd, you had to taste it with them kind of thing. And that was like a big part of the job. And I just found that, you know, I was still exercising as much, you know, outside of work I was eating, you know, fairly fairly well, but I was just kind of my waistline wasn't so great and my energy levels weren't so great. So it's kind of these things were kind of all c- coming together and I was just like, oh, you know, this isn't really where I want to be long-term. Um, and, you know, I just kind of saw an opportunity to, uh, you know, I'd, I'd had the blog going for about five years at that that stage and, you know, just sometimes, oh, actually what, what, what sparked it was um, my mum died and a couple of years after she died I wrote a book about her recipes and I did that like over a Christmas holiday period. I took, you know, I had some time off and I just spent a few a few weeks like taking photos and writing and I just loved that time and I was um, I was just like how can I do this, do more of this. I really wanted to um yeah, just I was just like, this is where I'm supposed to be. I kind of had this call epiphany, um, and then you know, within 12 months, I like I kind of had a plan, and then I you know had quit my job and decided to to make the move to starting my own business and just seeing what I could do to turn the business, the blog, into an actual um, income stream. Awesome. Um, your so your mum's cooking was a big influence on your um, like your your passion for food, but then also the way that you cook now, was it? Do you think that that's been a big influence yeah. for you? Yeah. Um, a little bit. Like she was very, like I grew up in the, in the country and you know, on a farm and, you know, her style of cooking was very much, you know, meat and veg, um, which I've kind of gone back to more and more, um, you know, it's kind of just, you know, in interest of health, I kind of feel like that's a better way for me to eat. Um, so in that aspect, yeah. Um, but she was also like, she used to do a lot of baking and you know, there'd be cupcakes every afternoon for afternoon tea and stuff. Um, so that probably didn't influence me so much. Um, but she was actually, you know, fairly experimental and even, you know, later in life, like she would be trying like, you know, Moroccan dishes. And so she was always adding, she you know, kind of had this basic 
kind of repertoire of like, you know, we'd have sausages or steak or chops or whatever. But then, um, you know, she would experiment with, with other things. So I guess that kind of willing curiosity in the kitchen I probably got from her in the very beginning. I think that's really important actually to have just like curiosity, you know, to, to not be scared of trying new things because sometimes you'll try things and they taste disgusting, but that's okay. Like, <laughs> you know, it's okay to, to try and experiment. And I think to be able to grow up with that is awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because I was talking to one of my um, students from my cooking school yesterday and she was like, um, like she's just terrified to go off a recipe because she just like unless it says in the recipe that she should do this, she's just like I'm just terrified of it turning out bad and, you know, of it not being good enough. And I was like, wow, it's kind of I'm glad I don't have that. So I was trying to encourage her that, you know, to think about it in terms of, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen? You know, like you, you can't eat it, you waste the ingredients, but then you can kind of see it as a cooking lesson. And she was like, oh yeah, okay. Like maybe I could do this. And I was like, you know, you don't have to do it every time you step into the kitchen, but maybe just challenge yourself to try it like once a week that you, you go, okay, I'm going to make a few changes here. And just, I said, was really trying to encourage her to, to do that. So I think it's seen, and I think it seems like, um, some people do struggle with that and, um, yeah, it's kind of, it's a bit of a mind game thing to get, to get yeah, right. I mean, I look back at myself when I first, you know, first moved out of home, um, and got kind of beyond the two minute noodles and, and <laughs> spaghetti bolognese kind of phase. Um, uh, although that being said, I still cook spaghetti bolognese for my family quite regularly. Um, you know, it was, it's just a really gradual confidence, I think, um, that you learn, you know, what, what things go together and, and what works and what you enjoy and, you know, how far you can push it. And it's kind of fun. I used to, I used to be really similar. I was terrified of not following a recipe because I didn't want to mess it up because it was kind of, I don't know, everything was tied to the result, the end result. And if the end result wasn't good, then um, I felt like it was a failing. But when I kind of let go of that and I had a few burnt dinners under my belt, it's like, it's, you know, it's fun. It's, it's kind of, um, yeah, it's fun to experiment. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's the key is to see it as, as fun and to see it not as a failure, like to enjoy the process, like, um, to yeah rather than look as you say being caught up with the end result I I, I know I joked before about you practicing like culinary minimalism um and you spoke a bit about the impact like um zen habits had on you Are, are you minimalist in other areas like in terms of um your home or the stuff that you have or um you know the way you travel or anything like that yeah I like I I try to be Brooke um and it's funny because um, you know, back at that time, about five years ago, I was really serious about it. And I went through and I you know, got rid of all the stuff in my kitchen that I didn't use. And I completely you know, cleaned up my wardrobe and I was really, um, and actually that was one of the things that really helped me have the confidence to leave, quit, quit the corporate world and, um, and try my own business was that I realized that I could live off a lot less money than I had been earning and, and that I had been, um, had been like had my income, if I just live differently, so if I stopped buying stuff and like, you know, um, started to, if I lived more simply that I you know, didn't need to have such a huge income to, um, to, to support myself. And that really gave, like having that mindset was really key in me, like kind of having the guts to 
to quit my job and start the business because I really didn't know what I was doing at all or how I was going to get money to come into in the door. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was really like very serious about it for a long time. But then I, then I, over the last couple of years, like having a baby and you got, I got married last year and we moved house and I just kind of found um, we just started accumulating stuff and I hadn't been as focused. Um, like I'd still minimalism had been something that I knew was important and I knew was a, like a way that I wanted to live. Um, but, yeah, we just kind of got a bit sidetracked. And so in the last but maybe six months I've been just a little bit more focused on and a little bit more just using a bit more mindfulness about, you know, when we're buying things, do we really need this and just asking those sorts of questions. Um, and I found it and same in, in the kitchen and I've, I've found like it's kind of been like a bit of a homecoming <laughs> Um, and I've really, really enjoyed it and I kind of feel, you know, I've got a bit more space and just life's a little bit better when you kind of are a bit tougher on the thought processes up front. Yeah, I think part of it, it's just um, it's just the, the seasons of life too, you know, things when you, you have a you have a young family, things that you, you probably had the headspace or the, the mental energy to consider more deeply, you just don't for a little while. <laughs> I know I didn't and sometimes I still don't. Has um, having like becoming a parent changed the way that you cook? Uh, do you do you find yourself making kind of more um, oh, I don't know family friendly meals, or is it it's not so much something that's really impacted it? Um, yeah, it has in that that so that's another thing that has really brought home to me. Um, like how important it is to have simple meals up your sleeve because you know you get to um 5 30 and sometimes you know you've got a clingy baby he's really tired and you know you just want to cook dinner but you've got someone like dragging on your leg and he wants you to pick you up <laughs> so I've kind of um definitely that import the importance of having stuff that's simple and, and quick that I can just do really quickly um I, I love it uh, I found myself kind of going back to my own old, old recipes more and more often um in terms of like the type of food that I'm cooking i at the moment, like, uh, so I've got a two-year-old and he's going through like a super fussy phase. So in the beginning, I was like, this is great. I give him anything and just put it in his mouth. I was like, this is brilliant. Um, and then he kind of, I don't know, just before his second birthday, he just started saying no. <laughs> um, and, you know, he just wants toast and really plain food. So I'm kind of, um, yeah, I guess I'm kind of, it's something I'm kind of grappling with at the moment because I don't want to be cooking two meals all the time. But if I, um, you know, working from home, so, you know, if we're having lunch, my normal lunch would be like, you know, a tuna salad. So he's not really into tuna and he definitely isn't going to eat any lettuce leaves. So, <laughs> like, if I sit down and we, like, because I really, my, like, I believe it's, like, important to try and get them to eat what you're eating because, you know, I don't want to get into this trap of making two meals. But... Um, I'm kind of in a place at the moment where, well, I don't want him to completely starve. And so, you know, I'm kind of compromising on lunches. Um, but like, I'm trying as much as possible to make his meals the same as ours. So a good, good example would be like last night for dinner, um, I was ma- making like a red chicken curry um, and I was serving it with cauliflower rice for me and my husband. But what I did was I like poached the chicken in the coconut milk first and stirred some peanut butter in to kind of make this peanut butter chicken. 
and um, I served it with rice noodles for like the toddler and then put the curry paste in after I you know, served up his portion, heated it up and we had cauliflower rice and I gave him some of the cauliflower rice as well. Um, of course he didn't touch it <laughs> he, and he just ate, he ate the noodles and the chicken. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was kind of like at least when we sat down to family dinner, like, you know, his plate didn't look completely different from ours kind of thing. So I'm just kind of... I think that's kind of a where we're at. That seems to be working okay at the moment. So we'll, I'll, um, but I really want to get to a place where, um, you know, where we're not, where I'm not cooking extra stuff for him. Um, but, you know, I guess, you know, putting some boiling water and some rice noodles is easy. And I always have some cooked rice in the freezer and I roast a few sweet potatoes. So I've got, always got sweet potatoes to add for his, his dinners. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where we're at at the moment. But I really would like to get to a place where just it's one meal and everyone eats the same thing. Yeah, my kids are six and four and some nights I'm still waiting for that to happen. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Um, I mean, they get better. They're getting better. Like every month I feel like we're, we're able to eat um, more and more of the same things. My husband and I quite like – we like spicy foods and I'm currently, um, you know – experimenting with being a vegetarian so um there's always going to be different things on plates anyway but if i find if i keep kind of the base stuff the same and then if i'll add you know some mushrooms or something to mine the kids might have sausages or a piece of lamb my husband will have something similar um yeah and i feel like that's um that's kind of working for us at the moment it's been it's actually been really interesting to see it shift over the years i mean my two kids have got different eating styles anyway but my daughter um she's six she was always a very um persistent like i will eat what i want and i'll eat nothing else and it's just been a really slow and gradual process of introducing her to things um and just letting her try them not forcing them i think i made made a mistake when she was young and i made food like a power play issue and um it didn't work and you know as a result it really took a long time it took a long time for, for us to become kind of relaxed about it. But when I started, um, like I, I grow some veggies and stuff and I started to be able to pick uh, lettuce and snow peas and sugar snap peas and stuff out of the garden and eat them in front of her and show her. And she's, she's started doing that a couple of years ago. And now she's a, she's a pretty, pretty good eater. She'll clear all her veggies and stuff, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Great. That's really good. That's really good. I think that's a pretty common mistake, Brooke, like that you have this kind of power struggle thing, like just from talking to other parents and it never, it's never the parents that win that battle. So I'm kind of trying to avoid it. Avoid it. <laughs> no, exactly. And I just keep telling I mean, myself. You can't, like, you can't force a child to eat. Yeah. And also like that they're not designed to starve themselves. Like unless there is something seriously you know, that they have some like kind of a problem like the average child isn't going to starve and missing a few meals isn't going to be the end of the world so um yeah so far we're still pretty chubby so we're doing okay and so I'm glad to hear that like um you've kind of you know you're, you're, get, you're seeing progress so gives me hope Brooke thank you <laughs> I'm sure you'll be fine um so what what you mentioned that you always have cooked rice and um um, sweet potato, like cooked sweet potato on hand. What other staples do you always have on standby in your, like your pantry or your fridge? 
Um, well, that's a, that's a good question because this month I'm um, having an experiment of eating, of eating paleo. So that I kind of had a fridge clear out and um, that's kind of changed. But probably like this is just a – I like to experiment like this um, just to see how it makes me feel and also to – I find – Sometimes when you um, put restrictions on, so for example, not eating dairy, it opens up like, opens up your mind to trying other options. So I've been, um, you know, experimenting with making coconut yogurt and um, cheese out of nuts and stuff, which is something that I wouldn't have normally done. So I'm really enjoying the experiment. But back to your <laughs> to answer your question, I guess. Um, Pardon me. Yeah. So for Fergal, the sweet roast sweet potato. So I just all I do is just like sweet potato, scrub it, put it in the oven on a tray as it is, and just like roast it until it's really really soft. Um, and then I just have that in the fridge to warm up. Um, so that's something that we've kind of got on on stock a lot of, at the moment. Um, what else do? So usually, like when I um, when I'm not eating paleo, I usually include legumes, so lentils and beans and stuff. And so usually either on a Sunday or sometimes it's, it's like Monday night, I'll cook up a pot of lentils or a, a pot of beans or a pot of chickpeas and then have those in the fridge. So, you know, we have them for with eggs for breakfast. I you know, use them to make salads for lunches. Um, so that's kind of um, been a bit of a struggle. Well, not a struggle, but just a bit challenging for me not to have the, that. But um, I've actually found, you know, we've, I've been buying more avocados and we've been using those in a similar way. So um, there's always ways around it. Um, and then I'm really into fermenting veggies at the moment. So a couple, uh, <coughs> excuse me, um, so back in 2000, early 2014, I saw um, Sandor Katz, who's an American guy who's written a couple of books about fermentation, speak in, um, in Sydney. And he was just really inspirational. Um, and really, I've always been interested in fermented foods. When I was studying food um, science at university, like I majored in microbiology and I did my honours thesis on looking at the bacterial populations in blue vein and camembert cheese. So kind of microbiology is a bit of a thing for me. And this just, I, I'm just really, um, really excited about, about fermenting stuff. So making my own sauerkraut, making my own yogurt, um, coconut yogurt, as I mentioned, and then like making pickles. And, but rather than do like, there's two ways to make pickles. You can either use like vinegar and sugar or you can, they call them lacto-fermented pickles where you just use a salt solution and you let the lactic acid bacteria produce the um, lactic acid, which gives you the, the tanginess in the pickles. Um, so, yeah, that having like so at the moment, yeah, I've got a couple of different types of pickles <laughs> in the fridge and, um, yeah, we usually have some sauerkraut and, and that's really helpful because you can just like grab that out of the fridge, put it on the table and there's like an extra serve of veggies for everyone. Well, not for the toddler here, of course, doesn't want to go near it. <laughs> but for me and my husband, like we love them and they just they add so much flavour and, you know, interesting texture and stuff, a bit of freshness. Um, so, yeah, really into that. And I've even been experimenting and made a, like a, a, a green chilli sauce so it's kind of like a more, bit more like a salsa and um, had like chilies and onions and coriander like um, in it and I fermented that and that's like super like it's really hot but it's um, kind of like a Mexican style salsa um, so that's kind of my current obsession I'm really loving that at the moment yeah. um, 
so they are kind of the the main things. I guess we have chickens here, so like we eat a lot of eggs. Um, we have you know eggs for breakfast most days, um, and I usually have um, some sort of gluten free bread in the freezer. Um, and particularly now with having Fogel around, so there's like a really great um, local guy that makes quinoa bread. So I usually have have some of that, so Fogel can have toast and peanut butter. <laughs> um for lunches and stuff um and i've also actually this with my paleo month i've been experimenting making bread with coconut flour and a lot of eggs and that's worked out really well so really loving that um yeah it's pretty much i guess that and then a lot of a lot of veggies brook like we try i try and really um you know eat get my five serves of veggies or more a, a day so just yeah that's that's kind of um something else that's really important and what I'd like to do there is so you know um when I'm if I've got a rather than just like you know, cook enough for one meal like I bought some kale last weekend and you know cooked up a couple of bunches of the kale and used some of them for like the meal that we had but then the rest you know just it's in the fridge and then I can just warm it up for um for to have with my eggs or if I'm you know to ha- I can have it for lunches or I even use it for dinners um and another thing I love doing is um grating raw veg so I use the food processor and I you know great like cauliflower or broccoli um or ca- even just you know carrots and beets and have those grated sitting in the fridge in a container and then you can you know, just grab them and toss them in and I find that you know just an easier way to get a lot more veggies in because it's already prepped it's already ready to go so when you you know you want a quick meal it's there and you're much more likely to eat it right whereas if it's a whole cauliflower and you've got to chop it and um you know get the leaves off and all that it's not a lot of work but it's just that kind of it's enough to go I'm not gonna (laughs) have any veggies with this meal I'll just you know skip it so um, yeah, that's a long answer to your, to your question. That was an awesome answer. Um, and kind of two things that I'm I'm hearing um, is preparation is probably one of the biggest parts to to you having all that stuff like on hand, which is what's going to make it so much easier for you to pull together a meal in you know ten or fifteen minutes. So do you um, do you choose a, do you have a day like maybe on the weekend um, that you do a lot of pre preparation uh, for the week ahead? Yeah, yeah. So usually on Saturday or Sunday, I'll, um, yeah, I'll I'll cook a, make a couple of things. So I'll usually make my pickles, like um, have a bit of Sunday fermentation session. Or, um, but if we're away or something's on on the weekend, you've got people here, and I don't get a chance to do that. I I usually make some time, like you know, on Monday night after dinner, I might just, you know, or even while I'm cooking dinner, I'll throw on a cook a pot of lentils at the same time or like for example last night when I um we had the red curry and I was making I made cauliflower rice for that which is just raw grated cauliflower so I grated like the whole cauliflower and put the leftovers in the um the rest in the fridge so then I could have it for breakfast this morning so it's not like I I think when because I think that can be like people kind of some people go oh you know I don't want to spend up you know my all my precious weekend time in the kitchen and um and you don't have to like I, I do I do spend some time because that's usually how it works out but um and I enjoy that time um but just because you don't have that in that doesn't fit your schedule you don't have to 
Um, it doesn't have to be on the weekend, I guess is what I'm trying to say, Brooke. Like it's, um, you can fit it in when you're doing, doing other things and yeah, just kind of, but it does make all the difference in terms of once you've got a few things prepped, just makes life so much easier for the rest of the, the rest of the week. It does, you know, and even just kind of thinking that extra step ahead, like you were saying, using the time that you're in the kitchen anyway, to maybe pull together something that you're going to use the next night. Um, it's no extra time for you. It's maybe one minute extra effort, but that's, they're the kind of things, they're the kind of really small steps that I guess people can take that are going to have a big impact. Like you get to the end of the week and you look back and you think, well, I may, you know, may have spent an extra 10 minutes in the kitchen or whatever, but I've eaten three more home cooked meals than I normally would have, or, you know, I've eaten two cups more veggies than I normally would have. So I think, um, yeah, your point is really important that it doesn't have to be this huge thing where you set aside like um all day sunday to prepare for the week ahead yeah yeah you can you can squish it into other other tasks yeah i think uh, yeah i think that's that's actually not dissimilar to a lot of simplifying and slowing down um i think people look at it and they see the big picture like you know what it looks like at the end when it's all done and that's such an overwhelming kind of um thought like how do i get from where i am right now to there you can't you can't even see the number of steps that are involved but if you start to just make those really small intentional shifts like over time that actually will will have a big impact yeah absolutely absolutely yeah it's like yeah it's amazing like how um like simplification like those principles you can really make, can really make a difference to all different parts yeah, of your and life. Yeah, that's the thing that I find every every week when I chat with someone. Um, you know, I talk about money or stuff or travel or food or, or whatever. It's people might start out by making a particular shift. Um, you know, be it with decluttering or um, getting out of debt, but almost invariably uh, over time, those changes like spill over into the rest of you know, the, the other areas of, of life. Um, I just find it really interesting that almost everyone will have a really completely different story and different set of circumstances, but they end up heading kind of in the same direction. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, do you have a favorite meal? Um, no, Brooke, I couldn't possibly have a favorite meal. <laughs> Too many things. I hate when people ask me that question. Sorry. Like, what would your last meal be? <laughs> it's like, ah. Oh. <laughs> I know it sounds like a bit of a cop-out answer, but, like, I, yeah, I just I genuinely, Brooke, there's so many things that I love to eat that the thought of having to choose a last meal just, like, does my head in. I'd probably just default to my favourite thing, with like, one of my favourite things, which I actually was my birthday last week, so for dinner, we went out for lunch to, to celebrate and for dinner um, I just went to, a, like, a really great deli and got a couple of different cheeses and we had a really lovely cheese plate. So that's probably what I'd default to. <laughs> That's pretty much what I'd default to as well. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, no, I know it's a super annoying question. Um, do you have any any kind of really simple go to meals for those nights where you know the kids might be be tired or stroppy or you've had a, a long day? Do you have any any meals that you that are just pretty light on effort and light on brain power that you revert back to on those days? Yeah, def- absolutely. So, um, so I make like a lentil risotto, um, which sounds sounds fancy, but it's just using red lentils and stock, um, and then you, know, you can flavor it however you like. Um, you know, usually if I'm not eating paleo, I usually add some some parmesan to it, or 
you know, other cheese. And to make that, you can cook it in the oven. Um, and so all you need to do is like put the stock and the lentils in the oven and that can kind of, I mean, if you soften an onion first, it'll have a little bit of extra flavour. But at the very basic level, I know I can put the lentils in the stock in the oven and 15 minutes later stir a couple of things through and that and dinner can be ready. So that's that's one of one of the things I love. Um, and then I also really love um, like canned can chickpeas and I'm trying to get away from using canned food with the whole um, BPA thing. Um, so I tend to like I'll cook up when I am cooking chickpeas, I'll cook up you know a kilo of them and then freeze them. So getting them out of the freezer is a little bit less convenient than just opening the can. But, um, yeah, like just making a, 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 a salad, like kind of a, I, sometimes I warm the chickpeas up in a little bit of olive oil in the pan, but sometimes it's just um, just a salad where you grate a heap of parmesan over and just make a dr- dressing with lemon juice and um, olive oil. And if I've got some salad leaves, I'll chuck them in or some, you know, parsley leaves, I'll grab, throw them in, but sometimes it's, it's just the chickpeas. <laughs> Um, so they're probably my, my two kind of go-to kind of pantry meals. I'm going to be using both of those, especially the, um, yeah, the lentil risotto in the oven sounds fantastic. Yeah. Well, the, both those, the, um, I think I call it lentil lotto. So that's, um, both those recipes are, and there's a chickpea, the chickpea salad that both those recipes are on my blog. If you want to check them out, I'll leave, um, I'll include links to them on the show notes as well. Um, do you do, do you meal plan? Do you like, do you plan your weeks on paper ahead of time? So this is really interesting, Brooke. So meal plan, something, meal planning, something that I've kind of, um, not, not obsessed with, but, um, become really interested in because like when I talk to my readers, it comes up as like one of the biggest, apart from having, not having enough time, that's kind of one of the biggest things that people struggle with when they, um, when they're cooking. So I actually, I've written, um, I've done a couple of courses and written a book about, um, so my natural way to meal plan, um, I call it the two minute meal plan. And essentially what it is, is that you don't plan. You just, you know, you kind of have an idea about how much food you'll need for the, the week. You go shopping, you buy, buy your food. And then each day you kind of just decide what to cook based on what's in in the fridge and sometimes you know you might look up a recipe but usually it's just you kind of you know I kind of um I call them template recipes but you know I kind of have an idea in my head of um you know what it what it takes to make a stir fry and I I, so I can kind of go okay well I'm going to use these ingredients to make a stir fry and I kind of just cook from scratch like that um so that's and that that works you know really well for me but you know fairly confident in the kitchen (laughs) so um, in the book I, and in the course course that I've done, I've kind of break it down and, and help people figure a figure out how much food they're going to need, and then also kind of help them with the um, like taking baby steps in in cooking without recipes and doing that themselves. But it's still, um, you know, that's kind of a pretty one extreme approach. And then the other extreme, of course, is where you sit down and you plan, you write out, you know, you go, you know, we're having. Um, fish on on Tuesday we're having we're having you know some chicken on Wednesday whatever and do the list and and stick to your plan um so I actually have another product um which is a meal meal planning product where um so people that 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 sign up get um every week in it on a on a Thursday or Friday depending on where they are in the world um so I've I've done the meal planning for them essentially for dinners so it's like five so there's a link with um 
five re- five recipes for dinner and then I included like variations of someone's vegetarian, how to make it vegetarian or if they're paleo, how to make it paleo and all those sorts of things. Um, and then it includes a shopping list and I also give them a prep guide. So if there's anything that they can do in advance, um, I give them, you know, some instructions on how they can do that if they want to, but I never enforce that they, they do that. Um, so, yeah, so I actually, because I have this product um, that, that I put out into the world, usually like once a month I'll follow along and actually use one of those meal plans myself just to make, you know, just to see how, it, how they're working and, um, you know, see if I can come up with any ideas about how to make them better. Um, and when I first kind of thought of like doing this product, I had a lot of resistance to it because I'm like, you know, this isn't the way that I meal plan. And I was like, oh, I don't really want to do it and a friend of mine was like no it's awesome she's like you know some people they they need that they just need someone to do the thinking for them um and the funny thing is like now that when I do have those weeks and I follow the my my own meal plans I actually really like it because you you just don't have to think you just like walk into the kitchen you like um download it so I've got it like um on my phone I just you know have a look at my phone okay you know tonight we're having chicken curry and I just get the ingredients out cook it and it's really so I actually am surprised how much I enjoy the not thinking part of it as well so um another long answer Brooke but that's yeah so I actually do follow the two extremes which is kind of rare I think um most people would probably tend to track one way or the other way I think it's actually really interesting um yeah, I'm listening, I was listening to you talk. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I guess I do that sometimes. I, I've always been one to talk up the, you know, the benefits of a paper meal plan. Like I'd sit down and it'd take me 20 minutes. I do it tw- like once every fortnight um, and then I can just go shopping for fresh things, you know, once a week if I need them for veggies and stuff. Um, but I, I always kind of espouse the benefits of it because you don't have to think like it's you know the morning you get up in the morning you take whatever meat out of the freezer that you need you know you defrost that during the day and then you can kind of get prep done throughout the day as needed uh but um i probably relaxed a bit on that over the last six months and it's um yeah it's interesting because i and i'll often go shopping now without a list i just i know the kind of food that we enjoy i know the, the you know the basic ingredients i know what we've got at home and I don't have a plan, you know, I just, I have a, an estimation, I guess, of what I'll be cooking for the week, but I kind of, I kind of, yeah, I get, I get why you would like both ways. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting that you've naturally kind of evolved to that. And I think like as, um, yeah, as someone gets more confident in the kitchen and just in, gets more of a groove happening and not in knowing how much food and the types of things that you feel you're going to feel like eating, it's kind of a natural progression to get to get to that place it's really good interesting to hear that, that that's kind of happened for you you know without even really thinking yeah, about I think it I just kind of initially started when I forgot my list I'm like well well I didn't you know <laughs> I, I didn't buy 15 blocks of chocolate and you know no no vegetables so I think I'm okay <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. well this has been um just awesome talking to you <laughs> yeah. oh I've really enjoyed it <laughs> oh good um yeah, and I think people will get a, a great deal out of out of having heard both like your story and your philosophy on food. But I'll I'll certainly point um, I'll certainly point people towards your your website and all of your resources as well. Yeah, great, perfect. Um, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jules. Yeah, sounds good. Bye, bro. Have a good day.
This has been another episode of the Slow Home Podcast. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe via iTunes and leave us a rating or a review. Thanks for listening.